Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Moral Hangover. I am your host, Katie, and I am joined with my producer, Victoria, and we have a very special guest. We are joined by the fabulous queen of confidence, Serena fucking Kerrigan. Serena is a video producer and digital content creator. You may have seen her from Refinery29. She used to work there, and she now is starting her own brand, and we are so excited to have her. She kills the game. So everyone, please welcome Serena. Oh, I love that intro. That was so cute. Thank you. Oh, of course. So tell us how you kind of developed this queen of confidence persona. Yeah. So like I was a very insecure girl growing up and I think it really took shape uh, my whole life, but especially when I got to college my freshman year, because it was like such an exciting time. You know, you're, I mean, college, I loved going to Duke. It was literally heaven on earth. Like the idea of, you know, not being with my parents and like having so much freedom and just meeting all these people. It was such an amazing opportunity, but I also felt like really insecure. And I just remember feeling like no guy would notice me. And I hate saying that now because one, who gives a fuck, but two, like, you know, I don't know if that was even true, but I felt totally invisible. And I just remember within the first couple of days, I was like, okay, like I need to do something about this because I'm someone who like, I love being the center of attention. I love, you know, walking into a room and having people notice me. So I was like, what can I do that maybe isn't reliant on my physical qualities, but more on my personality. And I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm changing my middle name to fucking. And I told everyone <laughs> at Duke that I like, I did it legally, which I didn't, but like, I knew that that was going to, that's how it would work. Right. And I remember like, it just put me on the map. I remember when juniors got back from abroad at Rush, like when I was rushing for a sorority, they were like, you're SFK. Like we heard all about you. So I loved that, right? Like I love that notoriety. Um, and I think that over time I realized that it was, you know, a crutch for me to feel confident. And eventually I kind of like weaned off of introducing myself as Serena fucking Kerrigan, but you know, it then it became my brand. So um, it's great. And I think it's, you know, it's not, you know, far from what like Lady Gaga did or what Beyonce did with Sasha Fierce. I think that there are a lot of, um, female artists that use a persona to, you know, make them feel great or fierce or amazing. And that's basically what I did. I love that. It's truly iconic, honestly. And I was reading one of the articles and you monogrammed your pillow SFK your freshman year. And I think that is just genius. So funny that I did that. I'm like just so beyond extra. I like can't handle it. I can't believe that I was a freshman and I had the balls to go up to like seniors and be like, I'm Serena fucking Kerrigan. Like I love that. Like I, it's so mortifying to think about that now, but like I loved that. And, um, you know, like I remember at one point my friends were like, okay, like enough with the SFK thing. Or my parents were like, can you just pick a different word for fucking <laughs> you know, a beautiful middle name that it doesn't even start with the letter F? Like what? And um, and then well, you know, your middle like, name. My middle name's Amelie. It's French. It's like literally okay. gorgeous, which is why I would never change it legally. But you know, and then my um, you know, my nana obviously doesn't love it. My you know, my management at some point were like, you know, my management never told me like change it, but they were like, you're gonna miss out on a lot of opportunities because of it. And, you know, my agent did the same thing too. Blah, blah, blah. And I always just really stuck to my fucking ground because I was like, this is, this is the brand. It's like a woman being confident enough to say, I'm Serena fucking Kerrigan. I'm claiming space. I'm using a curse word and turning it over on its head because it's not a curse word. It's not a negative thing. It's just, it's, a, it's it, like, it's 
a very strong way of presenting yourself. And I feel like women are constantly, you know, taught to be ladylike and to be quiet and to not offend because if not, they're going to come off as bitchy or controlling or nagging or, you know, or divas. And I was just like, no, like, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like I can claim space here and like, it makes me feel powerful. And as a result, it also makes other women feel powerful. I love that. And on our channel, we love female empowerment because we feel like so many people lack confidence to feel like they're, they are enough as like a woman, even like working, working or like dating, they feel like they're never enough. And I love that you're making space for women saying you can do this and be confident and run the game. I think the majority of our problems in our world is because men and women aren't equal. Like here, I'll say this. I fully believe that if a woman was president of the United States, we wouldn't be this deep with coronavirus because women have the women are nurturers and they think with their emotions as well. And men just think with their penises and their egos. And and by the way, like I'm a hard feminist, but I'm not a men basher. Obviously, like I look up to a lot of men, a lot of, you know, I think they're amazing leaders in some respect, but I think that women are just intellectually, sorry, emotionally and sometimes intellectually, but especially emotionally have a way more emotional intelligence. And, um, and it just bums me out that like, you know, women were constantly, and I think this is changing a lot because I think we're finally talking about it, but. I realized that growing up, I was so indoctrinated to think, you know, I needed a man att- man's attention to feel worthy, that I needed to be skinny, that I needed, you know, to have sex, like that, or I didn't need to have enough sex. You have to have sex, but you can't have too much sex. It's just like everything, like, was just so fucked up about how I grew up. And I, looking back on that, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, my daughter, like, is not, we're not going to, she's not going to have this. Like, I'm going to change this for her. Um, and, you know, I feel really confident about that. You spoke about growing up. I think even the media plays a big part of kind of this like inequality. And I love reality TV shows. Like I'm the first to say I love Real Housewives. But I feel like sometimes when I was growing up watching that, like and by growing up, I'm 23 now. So when I was watching, it's probably like earlier teens when it first came out. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have to look this way to get attention. I have to be pretty. I have to have my hair done. I have to have my makeup done. Um, And I think what we want to say is like women can look however they want and still be a boss in whatever their lane is. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. I think the media is like actually like the majority of the problem. And that's why I love Instagram because, you know, obviously there are issues with social media, but I think a, a really positive thing, at least for me and my own confidence was seeing beautiful women of all shapes, colors, sizes, be proud of themselves and like seeing that imagery because usually what we were watching like housewives like whatever was you know images just decided by white men in power of like what sex I mean think about the Victoria's Secret fashion show like what the fuck was that (laughs) how could we like decide like this is what you should look like and if you and no one no woman actually enjoyed watching that show no and no No one one looks like that was like every woman was like I wish I looked like that how could it be that they look like that why don't I look like that and that's so fucked up it is. It no. literally is. And I remember one of the girls who was a Victoria's Secret model, she posted on YouTube some video of what her diet is every day. And it was like almond milk with berries and it was breakfast. And I was like, you know what? I would be starving for until lunch. I would have to have three snacks to make up for that. Like it's just yeah. not realistic and it's not even attainable at all. And it's sad that we made people feel like they had to look like this or like to look up to that. Right. So I kind of just, you know, the whole brand is about making every woman feel like 
you know, they're beautiful, but also that like it beauty really does come from within and your power like is just so internal. And, you know, I just, it makes me sad because I think that life is too short to not be in love with yourself. Completely agree. So kind of walk us through how you built this confidence. Um, Honestly, it was like truly like the SFK thing I think really helped. And I mean, I'm not going to lie when I say like when I started to really love my body. And I think that I went, you know, I really struggled a lot with my body growing up. And like, I, you know, I mean, like I literally gained like 25 pounds freshman year because like I literally love Domino's. Um, <laughs> you I, pizza? Did you get the pan pizza? I got the pizza, the cheesy bread, the brown, oh. the lava cake, and so good. the cinnamon sticks. Like I was like, I went off. And I just like felt like I always was like, well, never, I'm never going to look like what I want to look like. Like that's not achievable. And, you know, that's not true. Because I never wanted to look like a size zero or whatever, but it was like, I wanted to, I wanted to like myself, but I never thought that I could get there. And it was like two years ago that my, I was really upset. I, you know, every time I go on a trip, I feel like I just like go off with the food because duh. But, you know, I went on a trip and I came back and I, I was pretty over my usual weight and I was just like wallowing in self-pity, like absolutely destroyed. Like didn't even want to go out, which like, as you know, from my brand, like that's all about, I'm all about going out. But I was just like <laughs> so uncomfortable with how I felt. Like I felt really shitty. And my mom was just like, why are you complaining? Like you have the power. If you want to lose the weight, you can, you know how to lose the weight. Like you cut back on carbs, you stop drinking so much, which means maybe stop going out as much. Start the fuck, start fucking exercising. I mean, she doesn't speak to me like this. She's way, she's way softer and sweeter, but she was right. Like you can't have it both ways. And I think that that goes for anything in life, whether it's a job, a relationship, uh, the way your body, anything, anything in life that's worth having, I believe you have to put in work to get it. And so I started, you know, working out and honestly, like now it's just become such an ingrained in my life. Like I can't start my day without working out and I eat really healthy. And when I really became to love my body, like really love it. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm still curvy. Like I, my thighs touch, like there's things about what my boobs literally sag to the floor. I don't know what the fuck gravity like hates my tits, whatever. <laughs> But like, I don't give a shit because I do love like 90% of my body. And like, quite frankly, it's my fucking body. So like, this is what I'm stuck with. You know what I'm saying? Like, not to say that like you can't change things. Like I, I firmly believe if a woman wants to undergo plastic surgery, if she wants to make changes in her body, that's totally her prerogative. And I support her. Although I do believe that it's funny. It's like a two part thing. It's like, I believe that I gained a lot of confidence through SFK, but I think it really took me to the next level when I started loving who I saw in the mirror. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, I, I don't think that like, you know, I'm not saying that like you have to love your body to love yourself, but I do think that like it is combined, right? Like it's what you're, you're so, like you're living in your body. Like you oh, have yeah. to like, and also like, I don't love it 99% of the time, obviously, but I began to accept it more and I became to be open about it more. Like before I would have never said on a podcast, my boobs are falling to the ground. I would have never said that. I would have been too ashamed and embarrassed. But the funny thing is, is that the more you say it, the less of a big deal it becomes. And it's liberating. Because like, yeah. other people feel comfortable because they're like, oh wow, she's the same issues as me. Like, yeah. You know, and it's also like, yeah, fuck it. Like, oh, my boob sag too. It's like, wow, like it's relatable. 
yeah, I mean, whatever. Like they do. And like, whatever. Yes, they do. But like, will a guy still put them in his mouth when he's fucking me? <laughs> oh, <God>. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my like, God. So I'm sorry. Like, and then will they have give milk to my babies? Like probably like knock on wood. So like, to be honest with you, like they serve their fucking purpose. They get the job done. They get the job done. Mm-hmm. They get they get the job done. Like I need to put things, I always try to put things in perspective. Like, you know, I'm an able-bodied person. I can work out. Like these are all like privileges that I have. You know what I'm saying? Like I can afford to work out. I can afford to eat healthy. Like these are things that unfortunately not everyone has. So whenever I'm feeling shitty, I'm like, okay, but like, and I'm, it's not to say that like you can't be upset in your situation. Like everyone is valid to feel sad. But I always question, I'm like, could this be worse? Like, how bad is this? And Mm -hmm. it's not that bad. And if it is bad and it really pisses you off, then fucking do something about it. Completely agree. And I'm so, I'm with you and your mom's advice because there's, the one thing I hate about, like, people is when they complain, complain, complain. And it's like, why don't you do something? Like, if if this thought keeps coming in your head and you keep thinking this, it's like, do something about it. And you didn't. Like, you're thriving. But social media has made it so hard, I feel like, on women's appearance and bodies. How do you deal with, like, negative comments about the way you look, about your body on social media? So I've been kind of lucky in that, like, I don't really have that many trolls outwardly because I think maybe I'm, they're scared. I'm, I mean, I, I I track how many people share my stories. And I, it's funny, like, I track how many people share my stories. And I see that if it's not shared a certain amount of times, then I didn't do a good job. Because for me, I've always thought no press is bad press. If like no publicity is bad publicity, like if they're not talking about you, then you're doing, and granted, this is all, please take this with a grain of salt. Obviously there's things that cross the line and I would never do that. But because my brand is all about making people and women feel good, it's a little difficult. Like the people that ins- I believe, and I could be naive, I believe that the people that are trolling me or insulting me, they're insecure and they're projecting it on me because they don't want, it makes them upset that they're not confident so they're like, oh, she's so extra. She's so loud. She like is such a whore. But all those things, like I'm so happy with who I am. And if it really bothers you that much, then that's probably because you're not happy with yourself. So that's how I think of trolls. And it's like also on that note, like I have people that are monitoring me, if that makes sense. Like my mom is a video, sorry, is a video. She's a TV producer of a network and she runs, you know, a whole network at MTV. And like, She's an established producer and she watches all of my content. She watches every live. She, so, and she'll text me. She'll like, don't do that. She'll be like, you know, move on to the next thing or like, don't bring that up. Or, you know, she, she, she monitors, she produces me because like, for me, it's like, I don't want to offend. And people are very sensitive, especially now. And oh, I'm always- I think you, you can't know, do so, anything without offending someone. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously to some degree, yeah. But also I think you can- I think you have to be, for me, like I think also working at Refinery29 for four years, it was kind of like going to a women's media studies college. Like it really made me gain perspective about the world, not just through a woman's lens, but as a white woman and the amount of, as someone who's privileged, like I was like, whoa, you know? So I'm very cognizant about how I talk. Like I go, you know, it's just like, it's just things. It's like, for example, like I wrote on my story, I was like, hey, let's not forget like the people that are delivering our food, like please make sure to tip them. But then in parentheses, I wrote, if you can afford it, because not everyone can afford it. And for me mm-hmm. to just be like, you need to do this. is just, it's not, you know what I mean? So I'm always checking myself, like who could see this? Who is this for? It's less like who's going to be offended. It's more just like, how can I make this the most inclusive and like, you know, and be very empathetic to people. That's how I always approach my content. 
So when someone's trolling me and calling me extra or potty mouth or whatever, I'm like, fuck off. Like how, in what way am I offending you? First of all, when I have sex, I'm talking about me. I'm not saying to girls go, you know, like, well, actually I do. I definitely tell girls to go have sex because they should. It's great. It's an amazing thing. It makes you feel good about yourself as long as you're doing it safely. But it's like, my whole message is positivity. So anyone who tries to dim my light, like literally can go fuck themselves. So speaking of sex, I want to, I want to dive on this really quick. Um, I know one of like your pillars is sexual freedom. And there's this thing, I feel like guys insult women. Like if they don't want to go on a date with them, they're like, oh my God, you're a slut. Or if you're like sleeping around and you're a girl, it's like, oh my God, she has no self-worth. Like, what do you say to people who say that? Like these societal things that people believe that if women have sex or if, that they're considered a slut. I mean, I think it's total bullshit. I, oh, think yeah. it's, I think it's insane that like, you know, when we're in middle school, we're like, when we're in lower school, when we're like, you know, in elementary school, we're screaming penis, penis, playing the penis game. Or when we're in middle school, we know how to give blowjobs, but we don't know how to like touch. We don't even know what our vagina looks like. You know, I, I had friends in college that had never masturbated before. Like it was just like ridiculous that like men can have sex with whoever the fuck they want and they're praised. And then women, you know, sleep with two guys and it's like, they're cast out of society. Like they're just like whores. It's the Madonna whore complex. And I work really hard to try to show that like you can talk about sex and still be feminine. You can still be a woman. You can still be sexy and you can still have a lot of sex. And those things can exist. They can coexist. That being said, like, I do think that like, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, like men need the chase, right? Like they're hunting mm-hmm. back to hunter gatherers, right? They're hunters. Like they need to feel like they're get growing after you. So I think that if you really want, and I, I, have read a lot about this. Um, and I'm sure a lot of women would disagree with me and that's totally fine. But I think that men are very black and white. If they want to see you, they're going to text you and going to see you. Do I think women should sleep with someone on the first date? No, but have I seen my friends sleep with someone on the first date and get married to them? Yes. I don't think there's, it, it, I don't think the rules are super black and white, but I do believe that, and I get so many DMs, like the majority of the times I do my Q and A's on my Instagram, it's always the same question. It's like, this guy isn't texting me, what should I do? You know? And it took me a lot to learn too, because I was someone who was super, you know, Serena, very SFK, very like, if I want to text him, I'm going to text him. If I want to see him, I'm gonna, that's fine. But we also have to understand gender and we have to understand ego and men want to feel in control. And there's a way for women to be in control while making men feel like they are. How do you do that? And that is something I personally struggle with. So I'm so happy you touched on this. Like how? I think that like, for example, I think it's fine to initiate a conversation with a guy, but then you let him initiate the plan. Right. Okay. Like, because if he wants to see you, he will fucking see you. And there's an amazing book you guys should read. It's called Why Men Love Bitches. And Right up my alley. <laughs> no, no, no. It's amazing. And, and it's funny because I love the book too. I love the name because again, like when someone says bitch, you're like, oh, well, that's bad. And then it's not, it's not saying bitch in a bad way. It's the same way. It's like bitch is the same thing as fucking. It's about why men love women that are completely self-sufficient, completely have their own life, busy schedule, etc. The whole book taught me that if I want a guy, I have to be happy with me first. And that's why I'm always like, you don't need a man to feel worth. You know why? Because the guy doesn't want to be with a woman who is codependent and needy and insecure and is hoping for the validation of a man. Like he doesn't want that girl. He wants a girl that literally doesn't have time for him. And if you're like, but I have time, well, go fucking do something. Start a project. Read a fucking book. 
see your friends. Like bottom line, like they want someone who is independent so that they can go after them. And I'm not going to lie. Like my, I have a whole Corona boyfriend saga, um, (laughs) which is just so funny. And he's my neighbor and whatever. And last night we were texting and I actually had to pick up, I'm making banana bread and I, you know, I've been looking Of course. I feel like everyone is making banana bread right, banana oh, bread right it now. It is so much momentum right now. It's it's like the, the coronavirus, it started the coronavirus, I think. Mem- uh, banana bread and Zoom meetings literally like started corona. But anyway, obviously a joke, conspiracy, conspiracy theory, it's a joke. But anyway, um, I'm baking banana bread. I haven't baked anything by the way, but I was like planning on doing it and I was like looking for a pan and I texted him. And I went to go pick it up from him six feet away. Don't worry. But um, he was just like, he texted me being like, I just love like how busy you are. And like, that's my favorite thing about you, whatever. And I was like, you know, what? Like, that's such a funny thing to text a girl, right? Like, I love how busy you are and you can't hang out. (laughs) And I was like, but I was like, but that's like, it completely fucking fulfills my point, which is that he, I'm not available. I have a life and if he can fit into my schedule, great. And if he can't, then I can't see him. And he fucking loves that. And by he, I mean men, you know? So it's very important. And I'm, trust me, this is, I'm 26 years old. I've been in therapy my whole life. This took me years to learn. I feel like I'm an old widow talking about this. I'm like, well, let me do it. (laughs) But I truly like, I can't tell you, I would go to therapy in high school and be like, I fuck this guy. Like, why doesn't he want to go on a date with me? My therapist is like, you need to get to know this person before you take your clothes off. And that was so hard for me to wrap my head around. But it's true. Well, I also think college like switches things up because people literally have sex and then start dating. But in the real life, that's just not how that works. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I think I agree with you. I think there's a big hookup culture in college. And I think that like when you're an adult and you get to the city, you know, that's where I live and like people are busy during the week, like, you know, or on the weekends, they want to be with their friends. I just think that like, if you are under 25, you should not be focused on dating. I'm so sorry. Like, I just don't, if you're in between the ages of 22 and 25, and I want to say 26 and I'm 26 and I'm, I'm, I think you need to be focused on making money because you should never be financially independent. Sorry, dependent on a man. You should, you cannot, you can't. I love that you're saying that because my mom's a divorce attorney. So that's what she's been like preaching to me my whole life because she's like, I see so many times women marry men for money and then they get screwed out of the divorce and then they can't even live on their own and they have to stay in this like toxic marriage. How horrible is that? You live one time on earth and you're trapped, you know, and there's a lot of also beyond that, like a domestic abuse, like you know, toxic, toxic relationships that you can't leave because you don't have any money. And by the way, like, you know, there are a lot of stay-at-home moms, like, love them. I, I you know, being a mom is, like, is, a, is absolutely a full-time job. And I think that, <laughs> like, another thing with the equality thing, right? It's something that is just, like, it's a, it's a paidless job. And it is. It's a whole, it's just, like, it's everything. We're nurturing a fucking child. We're raising them. I think the stay-at-home mom thing, whatever, do it, if that's your prerogative. But I think it's, like, when the child becomes, you know, an adult, what is, what are you doing? Like, I'm just, I'm genuinely confused. Like, how are, how are you feeling fulfilled? How are you like the idea of having to ask like my husband, if I can buy something like absolutely makes me want to gag. Like, I'm like, no, you know, like you need to feel fulfillment and you also just need to be financially independent. Like, I just think you do. And that is something that I will preach to the end. This literally makes me think of this one guy I was seeing. He, his mom was not working. Like he's 20, he was 25 and 
I'm like, what does she do all day? And he's like, oh, like my dad gives her an allowance. And I'm like, how does that work? And he's like, I don't really want to get into it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what the literal hell? Yeah. Like, I don't want to knock people. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if it works for you, if it works, great. But like, I've noticed that in the past year, I've been, and especially when I quit my job, like, I feel so fulfilled from my career right now. Like, my brand. I don't want to be with anyone. Like, it gives, if if literally, and I'm not, like, I, this sounds so cliche, but like, I literally feel like if, like, someone has two halves and, like, you're trying to find your other half, I really do feel like my career right now is my other half. Like, it makes me so happy, along with my friends and my family. But, like, I don't need a man right now. I find it, I find it to be incredibly incredibly distracting. Like I literally wake up at 7.30 every morning. I'm working all day. Then I go live at 6.30 to 7.30 and then I catch a break. I don't have weekends anymore because I just, I work all weekends and I'm so happy. I'm literally so fucking happy. Is there times obviously I want to fuck someone and like have some of them kiss my forehead and like pet my hair? <laughs> Duh. But like <laughs> as something that's like a full-time commitment, it's a commitment and it's a partnership. And in a relationship, you have to give as much as you get. And I'm absolutely not equipped to do that right now. I feel like I'm literally talking to my older self right now because I'm having these exact same thoughts. And I've had friends be like, Katie, you need to start dating. I need to do this and that. And it's like, it's like when you're doing things, I mean, like you're like building your empire. Like there's not enough time in the day to devote to like a guy when you have other priorities in the midst of everything. Exactly. So let's dive into work because I know you said you left your job, but um, when you had your first job, how do you basically not embarrass yourself or say something stupid? Like, how do you go about that? And if you do say something stupid, how do you, I guess, kind of like do damage control? Um. Okay. Well, first of all, with your job, this is your first job or job in general? Job in general. First of all, like, especially, you know, you're 23. So I'm going to, I think it would be someone's first job that probably is listening that like, every, no, you're not going to be fucking perfect. Okay. Let me tell you about my first month at Refinery29. Broke a tripod, which by oh, the God. way, those are fucking expensive. They're like maybe over dollars <laughs> Broke a tripod, charged three of my Ubers to a corporate card. Um, went through the most horrendous breakup of my life and was a total fucking zombie, like crying in the bathroom, like at like would leave my desk to go call my therapist, like out of control. And it was bad. And I remember um I was called in by my manager at the point. And she brought me in, by the way, to like the fucking CEO's office. Like so oh scary. God. That's so intimidating. That would have made me cry in itself. The CEO wasn't there, but brought me into the office and was like, we need to talk. And, and by the way, my internship was going to end that summer. And all I wanted was to do was to be hired. So I was really freaked out. She said, we need to talk. Like, I don't know what's going on with you, but like, and then it was like a whole list of all the things, but it wasn't really about the, the you know, the Ubers and the tripod, whatever. Like those are accidents. Like, you know, just you, and I'm going to explain what I think you should do about that if you're in a situation like that. But, you know, she was like, your attitude is an issue. Because I wasn't there. Like, I wasn't there. Like, I was there, but I wasn't really there. I wasn't being proactive. And I remember leaving that meeting sobbing, obviously. Um, remember, specifically, I, went to, I remember I was working out with my trainer the next morning. And I was telling him. And I was like, this is my dream company. This could be my dream job. And I am i can't believe I fucked it up. And he was like, you didn't fuck it up. You just can't make the same mistake again. And that has st- stuck with me to this day. Like, people are going to make mistakes. We're fucking human beings. Like, duh. Like, obviously. And by the way, like, a 22-year-old out of college, like, of course you're going to fuck up. If not, they wouldn't, you know, they that's what, like, if they're not expecting you 
to be a hundred because really, truly the first three years of your career, it's totally a learning experience. I mean, your whole life is a learning experience, but like, it's like, you're getting acclimated. You're understanding things and no one's going to fault you. And the people that do clearly didn't remember what they, their, their experience was like. But I think the biggest thing to do is like, you just go, I'm so sorry. Um, either, and you take complete responsibility. And I noticed this at, at Refinery, like I would see people fucking up and they would always make excuses. And I was like, you're fucking dumb. Like, just say you're sorry. Even if you didn't do it, even if like they're whatever, if it was like involving multiple people, you just go, I sincerely apologize. Won't happen again. I got it. And you don't fucking do it again. <laughs> That's fine. You're totally allowed to make mistakes. Just don't do it again. And you have complete control over that. So I think it's just like taking responsibility, apologizing, and just not fucking it up. And you won't do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think being accountable, that shows your boss, okay, like I care and I'm willing to make the effort to go above and beyond so it doesn't happen again. And like, if you don't know how to not do it again, be like, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Can you show me how to not do this again? You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, when I broke the tripod, it was like, can you show me how to carry a fucking tripod? Because clearly I don't know how to do it, right? Or like with the Ubers, like immediately I deleted it. I just was like, okay, I won't use the company card for, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just ways that like, if you don't know, like, I think it's like important to ask questions, but also not even to your manager, but also like, and I noticed this, like if you're in an entry level position or whatever, like save questions to the manager for like big fucking questions. If not ask your coworkers, literally like text a friend and be like, yo, like, how do you do this? Like, because they don't want to, you know, deal with your shit unless it's like very important. It's like another tip. I love that tip. So back to the crying at work. How do you, when you cry at work, because I, th- I don't think people realize on your first job, you're going to cry at work. Like I've already done it three times and it's not anything to do with my job. It's just like frustration or just like a lot of just going on. How do you like handle that? Or like, how do you handle meltdown at work? What's the best way to kind of go about it? I mean, to be honest with you, I cannot tell you how much I cried at Refinery29. Like you don't, I don't think you understand like how much, like it's so funny. Like I love the, don't get me wrong. Like I loved my time there and I loved the company, but it was, it, it wasn't, you know, I've, I've been trying to be more proactive on my Instagram now to be more honest about my experiences, because I think that if you would, were looking back then, like you would have thought that it was just fucking like, you know, sunshine and perfect. And it's not, as you said, you're crying at your job. Everyone has a moment. I'll tell you about a story that once I, I became very close with my boss at Refinery with one of my bosses. And to this day, like, we FaceTime all the time. Like she literally became my friend, but I'm going to tell you something, your coworkers, your boss, they're not your friends. They're not. Now we're friends. Cause you know, like she left, I left, whatever, but they're going to be your coworker or boss first. And I, once I blew up at her in front of my coworkers, like I blew up at her, like I got angry at her and just acted so horrifically, disgustingly. And I called my mom hysterical and my mom was like, I don't know what you're doing, but she's not your friend. And like, if you're upset about something with her, you suck it up and you have to swallow it. Like you cannot react like that in front of her. You cannot cry in front of her. Like you need to like swallow your shit and leave if, if it's, if it's, you know, to a place that you can't be there, but you have to, you have to be tough. And it was an amazing lesson. And you know, that was a really good example of a time where I fucked up. And what did I do? I apologized and I said it will never happen again and it never did and we became incredibly close and we FaceTime all the time because she knew that like I was like you know young and immature but I think that if you're upset at work you have to you have to leave and you have to go for a walk and you have to fuck it you can't you can't be upset at work it's it's a professional environment 
Definitely. Someone actually gave me the tip to book a conference room. Like next time I feel the urge, I'm going to cry. I don't mean to do that. I don't mean to do that because people will walk in and see you. I think that you need. Oh, to true. Okay, yeah. I didn't think about that part, but okay. Yeah, I just don't think. I think you need. You need it. It's. A, it's. A, it's. It's like you're playing a game, right? And people, you can't show your weaknesses. And I also think that I took a lot of things, you know, at Refinery29 personally. Like if I wasn't picked to host something or if I didn't, if someone didn't like my show idea, I took it personally. It's like, it is impersonal. It's a fucking business. At the end of the day, when you're at a job, the purpose is to make money. We're in a capitalist society. So it's not about you. It's not that they don't like you or they think that you're stupid. They just might not like your idea. Whatever, move on next. You know what I mean? And there was a lot of things that I didn't get at Refinery. Like I didn't get to host things. Like I didn't get to go to like the Grammy Awards on the carpet, right? <laughs> like I was like in the studio and then like the other women were on the carpet. And I remember feeling so upset that I didn't get to go. And I look back at that now and I'm like, it's fine because at the end of the day, like I wasn't meant to be a host. I'm meant to be a star. And like it took me a long time to realize that. And, and, and I was like, this is the universe saying to me like, Serena, you're not going on the carpet to interview people because you're the one being interviewed, honey. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I try to approach life. We're a Google fucking map and, you know, like you're going to get rerouted a bunch and you have to trust that it's going to go in the right direction because honestly it will. It just might take you a long time to realize that. You're inspiring me. I'm about, to, I'm about to start telling myself that I'm the star, not the host. Like even though I don't even work in hosting, I'm going to start telling myself that. That's yeah, a great the star of your life. That's the SFK brand, right? You're the star of your life. Yeah. So let's dive into one of our segments, power moves. What would be your power move that you would tell our listeners, like a life hack, tip, trick, something that you want them to take away from this? Um, I want you to take a lot of selfies and I want you to look in the mirror every morning and I want you to say, I fucking love myself. I'm fucking gorgeous. Even, you know what I do actually? I say it to myself as if I'm having a conversation with someone else. I go, you're literally stunning. Like you're so fucking hot. Like you're crushing it. I'm so proud of you. Because this is the thing. When we love someone, whether it be a parent, uh, a partner, a friend, what do we do? We praise them. We compliment them. We don't do that to ourselves. And it seems so weird. Like I've heard some from so many of my followers feel so weird to do it. Like it's kind of uncomfortable. It's embarrassing. Ah. And then I have a lot of my followers, literally this has happened a couple of times where months later they'll DM me being like, oh my God, you were right. Like I can't even believe it, but I look in the mirror. I'm like, you're a bad bitch. And like it works. So if you want to be confident, you have to fucking talk to yourself in a nice way and lift yourself up the same way you would do with a friend, period. That's a great way to end it. Wow. Everyone, let's give a round of applause, Serena. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was honestly inspirational and we're so honored to have had you. So thank you so much. And everyone, follow her on social media. Do you want to tell us your social media handles? Oh, yes. Serena Kerrigan on TikTok because I'm a TikTok star now. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, (laughs) Twitter. It's all Serena Kerrigan. Love you. Please DM me. I can give you a pep talk and I will change your life. But really, truly, you're going to change your own life because you're a fucking star. And then follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at the Moral Hangover Podcast. And we will see you next Monday. Have a great week.